Static Energy Podcast is the hottest podcast on the planet, hosted by your boy Mo Giles and co-host cool-ass Lauren Michelle. Tune in Wednesdays on all major platforms for that static on what's current in culture, controversial issues, comical commentary, and an incomparable vibe you won't find anywhere else. It's a perfect way to tackle those midweek blues. Static Energy Podcast is everything but static. Yo, what's going on? It's your boy Mo Giles right here on the Static Energy Podcast. And I got my co-host with me. Cool ass L, what's popping? Yo, what's going on, everyone? Yo, today we got a special guest in the building. And it's going to be a special show. We have magistrate of the Franklin County Courts and Common Pills. Please, excuse me, please. Common Please. I'm sorry. You got it. We have magistrate Lachelle Stroud. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I know. Thank you for being here. Um, it's, Thank it's you election. so much for being here, by the yes. way. I'm sorry to cut you off, Mo, but as I was telling her before the show, I'm extremely excited to sit down with someone that looks like me um, and is in a position of power and a position of just excellence. And I'm extremely excited just to sit down, pick your brain, see what you're about. And, you know, I, I'm excited. I'm, I'm seriously excited. So I'm proud of you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I definitely appreciate it and do not take that for granted because representation really is key. And that's a part of my story as well. So Mm. absolutely. So, I mean, so since we're talking about story, just give Mm -hmm. us a little background of where you're from and how you got started and what made you get into um, law. So I am from Columbus, Ohio. I grew up in the Linden area. Uh, My father was a Columbus firefighter. My mother Dermatologist um, throughout my entire life, sometimes owning her own shop and then working at Shabamba's uh, near where we grew up. And I've wanted to be a lawyer since I was five years old. Uh, it was the absolute only thing that I wanted to do growing up. Uh, and I would sit with my grandmother and we watch shows like Matlock or Perry Mason, and no one on those shows <laughs> looked anything like me. Right. Uh, and I would go to school. I was always very vocal that I wanted to be a lawyer. And simply because of the way I look, people would tell me like, maybe you should be the lawyer secretary or the lawyer's paralegal, or just think of something hmm. different altogether. Uh-huh. And, and it was just because at the time I was a, a little black girl. Uh, and I would always tell them no. And I was adamant that I wanted to be a lawyer. Um, and then when I was like in middle school, high school, I finally saw Claire Huxtable on the television. Okay. And it was like, okay, there's someone who looks like me and she's doing, even though we didn't see her doing it much, I knew she was a lawyer. Yep. Um, and when I was in high school, I went to Bishop Hartley High School and a, uh, a black woman judge and she was a judge at the time in domestic relations and juvenile court, Judge Yvette McGee Brown. And she came mm-hmm. to our school to speak. And I mean, I remember like my eyes lit up because mm. finally I'm meeting someone in person who looks like me. And not only has she been a lawyer, but she went on to be a judge. Mm. And um, it was just a very pivotal moment in my life uh, that I will never, ever forget. And she invited anyone who was interested in the law to come down to the courthouse. And I did that when I was in high school. And I saw magistrates who were then called referees and judges. And so when I was in high school, I expanded my goals. And I said, after I practice law, I want to become a judge just like her. Mm -hmm. Uh, So my dream was to go away to an HBCU uh, for that experience and then Uh come back home to go to the Ohio State University uh, for law school. Uh, 
And by the grace of God, that's exactly what I did. Uh, went away and came back home. And then the summer after I finished my first year of law school, I had the opportunity to clerk for the same judge who came to my high school. Oh man. Oh wow. Yes, yes. So that was in 2000. I clerked uh, for her and just got to see behind the scenes and she opened up her entire life uh, to me and let me see you know, what it was like to be a judge on the bench, what it was like to be a judge in the community uh, and all aspects of it. And I told myself at that point that I wanted to be in domestic relations and juvenile court. Uh, so I've been a licensed attorney for 17 years now. Wow. Uh, practicing law. I have uh, primarily practiced in litigation. So in the courtroom, I've handled jury trials, bench trials, argued before the Court of Appeals, as well as the Ohio Supreme Court. I've handled wow. civil cases, criminal cases, uh, as well as worked in both the public and the private sectors uh, throughout that time. Uh, and then seven years ago, I was appointed to the bench to serve as a magistrate. So magistrates are judicial officers who are appointed, whereas judges are elected by us, the voters, mm -hmm. we the people. Um, so I've been on the bench as a magistrate for the past seven years in domestic relations and juvenile court. Okay. And three years ago, I was promoted to be the lead magistrate over our department where I oversee the other magistrates and our support staff. Nice job. Um, okay. So yes, that's just a little bit about me. I uh, am a wife, my husband's a middle school principal, uh, mom of two boys, um, very active in my church community and my community at large. I uh, created a an interactive curriculum because I understand the importance of representation. Uh, so any opportunity I get, I go to schools and churches and share with them about the criminal justice system and the judicial system. And so I teach them like what a prosecutor does, what a defense attorney does, and then wow. we act out cases. And I allow the children to act out the cases and ask me questions. Wow. So I want to talk about that, Mo. Yes, that I mean, because that's very, that's very good because one of the things and as I, I was telling you before um, the interview how we, I was out on the campaign trail last year mm -hmm. um, working a lot of our people don't know the functionalities of government you know and exactly even while I'm with their sitting council uh, woman mm -hmm. they didn't even know who they were talking to you know mm -hmm. so um, you said that the magistrate is um, the judicial officer Yes. So you're running for elected. I'm running judge. for judge. Yes. For judge. Okay. All right. Um, so with your position, what does all of that entail exactly? Mm -hmm. What that you're running for? I mean, what's what's the difference? I guess. Yes, I was going to say that. Yeah. Okay. So right now, I have my own courtroom. I sit on the bench. I wear a robe, and I make decisions. The types of cases that I hear currently, uh, a few different types. I hear abuse, neglect, dependency cases. So okay. like the worst of the worst of what you hear that happens to children on the news, as far mm -hmm. as their parents abusing them, not taking care of them. Okay. And in those cases, I have to determine, you know, if they're abused or neglected. If so, if it rises to the level to where they should be removed from their parents' home and given to children's services or a relative, what their parents need to do to get them back into the home. Uh, I also hear delinquency cases, which would be criminal cases if the child was 18 or older and I preside over those trials and determine what should happen like their sentence which is really called a disposition. Uh, I also handle um, a docket called the empowerment docket which is for youth who are the victims of human trafficking to make sure that they have the necessary resources and support to free, uh, flee that lifestyle. So that's what I do right now. As a magistrate the judges adopt my decisions uh, before it's finalized. 
Um, and so it's like another layer of appeal to where if you disagree with my decision, you or your attorney could file an objection to go before a judge for a judge to say if I need to rehear the case or not. Um, what I'm running for right now is to be a judge in the very same court that I've been in for the past seven years. Um, so as the judge, I would still have my own courtroom. It would just be on a different floor, still wear a robe, make decisions about cases. And then I would be the one to hear the objections to the magistrate's decisions. So you have more power now. More yes, power. absolutely. I'll have a seat at the table to yes. make policy decisions. Yes. Because the Absolutely. judges determine the policies and the direction of the court. So I'll have the seat at the table with a voice because I have the seat now, uh, but I'll have a voice. Right now I make recommendations to the judges. Mm -hmm. I'll be the one voting mm -hmm. to say the On direction. Mm -hmm. so, yes, girl. So yes. let me ask you about this because I, I, I worked in Youngstown. I'm, I'm from Youngstown. Okay. And, and I've seen a lot of school to prison pipeline mm -hmm. type of I, I I saw what was going on. Right. Yep. What is in place, or do you have any programs in place to keep these kids out of um, the system and into school, or and getting the help that they need instead of putting them into the system where it's kind of hard for them to reverse that, and now they're just in the system, and then mm -hmm. they're going to prison. Absolutely. Yes. And um, that's key because not everyone believes that there is a school to prison pipeline. I do. But yes. you'll talk to some people who are running for judge who will deny the fact that there is a school to prison pipeline. Um, so currently right now, you know, when we were all in school, um, you could get in trouble at school, you know, if we were all honest and it would be handled at school, whether mm -hmm. it was a warning, an in-school suspension or peak or out of school suspension or even an expulsion. Now you have a group of students uh, who get in trouble at school and then charges are filed and they have to come in front of me. So like a school fight, I have children that get suspended, expelled for a fight at school, and then both of them get charged with assault. Uh, and then they have to come in front of me and just because of the way the court system works and it takes time, you don't come to court the day after the fight, it could be months later. And then they come in front of me, they're in middle school and high school and I'm asking them like, what happened? What led up to the fight? Because everyone who comes in front of me, they're my children and I treat them as if they're my children. Uh, and it's not like, what did you do? I'm trying to figure out how did you get here? Right. And what can we do to keep you out of here? Um, so I'll ask them, you know, like, what happened? Why were you all fighting? And like typical middle school, high schoolers, oftentimes they either don't remember uh, or whatever the issue was, it's resolved. It could have been, you know, like two girls fighting over a boy or two boys mm -hmm. fighting over a girl. And now neither of them like the person and they're back friends again. But you still have to come to court in front of me. That is a part of the school to prison pipeline. Yes. Whatever has already happened at school has been taken care of. And then you're coming in front of me. Maybe you don't even go to that school anymore because you could have been expelled. And then I get to determine if you should be held in the what we used to call detention center. I could remove you from your home. I could place you on what used to be called probation, make all of these orders, community service, all of these things. But I tell my kids, there is nothing that I can do to you that is worse than what happened to you at school. Because if you were suspended, you missed time from school, probably fell behind, now you're frustrated. If you were expelled, that could have been the school that you've been waiting to go to your entire life. And then you were plucked out of that school and you have to go somewhere totally different. So mm -hmm. there's nothing that I can do to make up for that time or change that. Um, so that is a part of the school to prison pipeline. The fact that African-American boys uh, as young as preschool are disciplined 
far more than any other student is a part of the school to prison pipeline. Mm. The fact that 78% of the youth who come in front of me are African-American youth is a part of the school to prison pipeline because a lot of those things are from school truancy or assaults or a food fight that you get charged with aggravated riot and you have to come in front of me. Um, you know, in our detention center, we now call it the intervention center. On any given day, it's going to be at least 90% of the people who are held there, African-American boys. So these are things that I take personally, one, because this is my community, two, because my husband and I are raising African-American boys. And we know at, at the age of 10 is when some people in the community will start to Correct. view our boys as threats, Correct. as opposed mm -hmm. to young children like everyone else. Um, so yes, what can we do to get back to it? What can we do to end the school to prison pipeline? Uh, some of the things we're doing at court, one, the uh, juvenile detention alternatives initiative. And I've traveled to national conferences to represent our court and talk about some of the things that we're doing. So mm -hmm. that's making sure that when you make those orders, like we get to do every single day to mm -hmm. hold youth, that you're only holding youth when there's a serious threat to the safety of the community or the threat to that youth himself or herself. Yes. And making sure that when I see cases like that, that I know, but for your zip code uh, or your race and ethnicity, that likely you would not have either, you would not have even ended up in my courtroom. I dismiss it because I have the authority to do so. So I will dismiss those cases because I understand, like I, I grew up in 43211. Year after year, that's the top zip code in our court. And I think that's why it's important to have all different types of representation, because I understand that according to the statistics, I should have needed a lawyer than to have been a lawyer. I mm. should have, according to st statistics, been standing in front of a judge as opposed to running for judge. So I never, ever forget where I come from. Mm. And I don't want people in front of me simply because of the poverty or where you're raised. So we need to keep those people out of the courtroom. Another program that we do is called the Family Stabilization Unit, uh, where the juvenile court is working with Franklin County Department of Job and Family Services so okay. that we can link people with services at the front door and try to keep as many out of the court as possible. So, you know, if it's like you're in front of me for a theft, and sometimes my kids will say, like, they're stealing for basic needs, not condoning it, mm -hmm. but they're stealing underwear uh, and clothes and food. And now you've charged with a misdemeanor theft or a felony theft, depending on how much you were stealing. Correct. If we find out the root of the problem, let's get them services and resources, and you don't have to come to court to get those things. So those are just two programs that we're doing that if I'm elected, I'll make sure that we continue to do. I think that's very important. I mean, because you hit it over the head. If you can find the root of the problem, because I always say when you're, so we have in, in the mental health field, we have this DSM-5. It's like the, the Bible of the diagnosis and it, it tells you how to treat them. And I believe that a lot of times that book don't speak to the black issues or mm -hmm. problems because our ADHD, our anxiety, our depression is totally different than what someone in Dublin, you know saying, may mm -hmm. be experiencing. Um, because systemic racism is real and we have been affected by that. So mm -hmm. I think that hitting it over the head, you know, as far as finding the root as to why, because a kid can't pay attention while they're in classroom if they're hungry because right. there's no food in the house or mm -hmm. the lights aren't on. And then when you have um, kids who are pretty much in charge of their whole household and their siblings and mm -hmm. they're, they are the authority, it's right. kind of hard for them to listen to someone when they're giving orders themselves. They mm -hmm. look at themselves right. as adults as well. 
Right. I think she made a good point when she said as well, um, I love when you said that you can understand where they come from. Yes. And I think that's the big part that's missing in the justice system that they're making decisions based on opinions when you can make a decision based on a fact. So I think that's something huge that you bring to the table. And I respect that because I speak that in volumes like we can't get to the root of the problem if we don't know how we got there. So right. I think that's extremely amazing. And I, I, I would hope that you really, really hold those two things near and dear to your heart because mm-hmm. that that's exactly what our youth needs. And because mm-hmm. by doing that, they might want to stay out of your courtroom. Right. I don't want to go back to see her, man. She uh-huh. going to get, you know what I mean? Because they know you care. Yes. It's a difference when you know someone cares about you and how you show mm-hmm. up to see them. So yes, that's pretty absolutely. Dope. Absolutely. And my kids come back to me all the time. Sometimes when they have their own children, they'll bring them to introduce me to their own children uh, when they're babies, or they'll just come back or write me a letter and let me know how much they appreciated uh, what I did. Because I do, I treat them because they are mine. So I give them that tough love. Um, And it might not, they might not agree with my decisions, just like your parents growing up. They might not agree, but they respect it. And they know that I allowed them an opportunity to be heard and that it came from a place of genuine care and concern about their livelihood and their futures. Absolutely. So I I, want to ask you, and this might be a tough question. I don't know. but Of course, you know, we talked about the prison, uh, the school to prison Mm -hmm. pipeline. But right now we have the presidential election and we have Biden and Harris and then Trump. Mm-hmm. And the goal is to get Trump out of the office. I, I mean, I don't know. I, well, you know what? Let me. I, don't I was know. about to say, you don't I know can't say my. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. I'm not even asking. Not, right. Yes. Just because I can't asking. give an opinion as a judicial officer, I can't like endorse or so speak against or endorse a candidate, but I'll listen to you. I'm yeah. here. Okay. I'm listening. So, we have, of course, Biden, who is the architect of mass incarceration. Um, <laughs> well, see, I, so I, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out how I can ask this question. See, without, I don't think you're going to be able to. I don't and is he? Is he? He really? Is he? We have the crime bill. I mean, which he helped write. Right? He, you can't answer that? Well, I just don't know for anything, not speaking on that particular bill. I just feel like as a part of the process that there's a lot more that goes into it. And no matter Mm -hmm. what it is, I don't know that we can ever give any one person credit for. So that that's why I just say, is he I'm not saying that he didn't play a role. I think that a lot of people because we've heard the same about Senator Kamala Harris you know, to where people talk about different things that she did, you know, when she was a prosecutor. Um, So I just don't know how much we can give one person, because just like we talked about earlier, I feel like systemic racism and the system of injustice uh, and the fact that there was an extended period, and some even believe right now, depending on who's the one making the decision, that justice has not always been for all. And it's not that the system was broken. It's that this is the way that the system was created, right? Right. If we're all honest, you know, the system was created by white men. I mean, the constitution, uh, white men. And then that's how we have the amendments, right? So Mm -hmm. to further their own self-interest. So I think talking about the root, I think a lot of it, that is the root of the system that we're dealing with. And then there've been laws that have been passed to further support the foundation. 
And then you have people who are now trying to work in the system to try to um, tear down a lot of the structural racism that the system was built on. So I just don't ever know that we can give one person credit for the things that we're fighting against, right? I mean, because we have the war on drugs that helped with mass incarceration as well to where you have nonviolent offenders um, who are being incarcerated based on this war on drugs. And then now we're trying to say, well, you know, the war on drugs, it's nonviolent and they really need help, especially with the opioid pandemic now that we're in Mm -hmm. uh, to where you see the more affluent who are the ones who are the victims of the opioid crisis. And now we're starting to see more of a push towards mental health and addiction and getting treatment. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't want to take away from your question. No, 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 it's, no, no, it's fine. Because no, no, I mean, as, yeah. you, as you were talking, it allows me to ask this next question. So I guess as you know, prosecutors, judges, mm-hmm. whatever, are there guidelines as to far as sentencing and how, the process of who you can sentence and what you can sentence them. Because yeah. Senator Harris, she takes a lot of flack, you know, for mm-hmm. the number of Blacks she have uh, incarcerated, you know. And then, of course, Biden takes uh, slack for, for yeah. mass incarceration. Mm-hmm. So explain to us who, I guess, believe that they had an opportunity to, you know, do things right, you know. Even in, say, like, let's say Senator Harris' case. Mm-hmm. And even your case, are there guidelines or rules that you have to follow when it comes to a mandatory or maximum sentence or whatever? Yes. Absolutely. Yes. So within the three branches of government, the legislative branch is responsible for actually making the laws, which is why we all, as we the people, the voters, um, have to really research Uh, Because whether you go in and vote or not, we all have a direct hand as to who the people are who are making the laws. And that's another, I mean, representation is key in all branches of government, but it's really the legislatures that are making the laws to say, um, you know, in Ohio for gun crimes, there's mandatory sentences Mm -hmm. that me as someone in the judicial branch does not have any control over mandatory sentences when it comes to like gun crimes. And that's because the legislature has already created the laws to say that there will be mandatory sentencing. Right. Um, the same for uh, like sex offender registration and the three tiers of sex offender registration. That's a part of the law. And when I'm on the bench and I have a sex case, and so there's some cases where it's discretionary to where I can, you know, exercise my own discretion and authority to decide if my child will have to be registered as a sex offender. And then there's some offenses to where it's mandatory registration. And then I have the three tiers to say, you know, if it's going, how the length of the registration or how serious the registration will be. Um, That's where the mandatory sentencing comes in. But I agree with you, we all have roles. And that's why when I go into these classrooms, I want to get the youth engaged. I think oftentimes um, in our community, sometimes people get upset because they see the outcome without Mm -hmm. thinking about how did we get here Mm -hmm. in all of the different branches. And people just see, you know, that it's more people who look like us Mm -hmm. who are in uh, prisons and in jail and they see the effects, the negative impact that it has on our community because you have so many of our men and women uh, and then we leave their families and their children who either have to be taken care of by grandparents or relatives or going to foster care. All of this is the result. So, 
Um, what I, the reason, one of the main reasons why I created my course is because I don't want our community to just say, oh, we don't want anything to do with the criminal justice system or the judicial system Correct. because the way it's set up, we don't want any part of it because there's so much distrust. I mm -hmm. want our youth to say, no, I'm going to get involved, whether, how, whichever role you identify with the most. So everyone see what it's like to be a prosecutor. Correct. And if you enjoy that role, then you be a prosecutor. And everyone see what it's like to be a defense attorney and to be the judge. Because if we're going to attack this system, we're gonna to have to work it from every single angle, except as bystanders. Mm -hmm. So that if everyone focus, focuses in excellence, in collaboration, doing what you were purposed and created to do, then we can see some meaningful change. Okay, mm -hmm. all right. Well, Lauren, I'm, so I've been asking a lot of questions. Go ahead, Lauren, if you have any. No, I do have a question, though. So you've spoken um, a lot on the Black community. Mm -hmm. So how do you stay true to who you are in a room full of people who doesn't understand exactly who you are? Mm -hmm. um, one, I'm confident in who I am. Um, and I'm not going to compromise. I'm a person of integrity. Uh, so who I am is who I am and I'm not going to change who I am to like get votes now because I'm running for judge. Mm. Um, okay. So I mean, to me, it's, it's difficult to keep up with all of the fronts and to lie and misrepresent. Um, so, I mean, obviously when I go places, I understand my audience. And so that's just an understanding what part pieces, what pieces that people want to hear about or need, Absolutely. but I'm still the same and true to myself wherever I go. Um, right now we're talking about these things because these are the things you all are asking about. I'll talk about them wherever I go. I'll tell anybody about the school to prison pipeline and that yeah. I believe that it is a fact and that it exists and that we right. need to work against it. Um, but I'm, I'm a person of integrity and I'm going to be me no matter where I am. Respect, and that's, total respect. That's what it is. Total so no, no code switching. <laughs> I was somewhere else and people were talking about code switching. I'm, I, and that honestly is difficult for me to answer, right? Because I think there are... Um, there are moments that you have to... You, there's, it's a game that you have to play, right? So, and it's about being wise, right? right? And understanding, again, where you are uh, and delivering the message. Um, to your audience. And again, that doesn't mean that I'm changing. I'm still the shell Stroud, the same person. I'll tell anyone, you know, I grew up in 43211. We live mm -hmm. in 43219 still right now, uh, which is often one of those top zip codes as well that come into our courtroom. Um, so I'm very cognizant of, the, of my background and I bring that with me because it's needed it's where I am. Absolutely. And that lens has to be represented because those are the people who are coming in front of me. So right. I understand the path as to how they got there. And I also understand that it could have been me as well. So, I mean, it's, it's all of those things together that keep me humble. Got you. Look, so you said something earlier where you said that there are people who still don't believe and people in your position who don't believe that school to prison pipeline exists. Or racism I, in the system. That was, that was what I was so, gonna say. Do they, do yes. you think it, yeah. How challenging it is or what can be done to, to get these people to understand or sit them down to be like, hey, this is what it is. Because these people hold 
positions of power that determines whether or not our kids are going to jail or whether or not mm -hmm. mothers or fathers are going to jail or prison. So I guess what can be done or how, I mean- Where do we start? Like what, yes. what's the starting point to get people or what do we do? Obviously, you know, people are protesting and some people mm -hmm. are rioting, whatever the case may be. Like, what is the starting point to get a hold on the people that don't believe racism exists to even listen to the conversation? I think one, you ask the question, just like you all do, you know, I think you ask the question because people who are running to be elected officials um, should be accountable to people and respond to questions. And I think you can tell if someone is being honest or not in their Absolutely. response to your question. Um, so I think one, we have to ask the question, right? So when it comes to judges, um, if we're all honest, either ourselves or someone who we care about has gone before a judge. And when that happens, that's when you get on the phone with people who are familiar with the court and you say, tell me what judge so-and-so is like. Are they fair? Um, you know, what are they like in the courtroom? So I tell everyone, now is the time to ask those questions. We have 12 judicial races on our ballot in Franklin County. Mm -hmm. Now is the time, 10 are Franklin County, two are statewide Ohio uh, Supreme Court. Um, now is the time to ask questions like, what are they like to people who have gone in front of them? Uh, do they believe uh, that systemic racism does exist? You know, you can ask questions like that and see what their answers are. And then we vote and allow your vote to be your voice uh, and use your voice for good. Uh, because we need to hold elected officials accountable. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so what challenges do you face as an African-American woman, and especially in, in, in your position? Because there's not a lot of, of us, you know, in that. What challenges do you face? Oh, <sighs> right. <Yeah>. At the side. <laughs> <laughs> Right. So being in management, you know, if I'm honest, like overseeing magistrates and support staff, and, and there's a lot of things that you're combating. So um, one, my age, and then that I'm black, and then that I'm a black woman. Um, not everyone has had to report to a black woman. Uh, so that brings with it its own set of challenges. Mm. Uh, some people are still committed to this angry Black woman uh, stereotype. Mm. Um, so that brings with it a set of challenges. Um, and then people are just not honest, whether it's about racism or the reasons why they have difficulty um, taking instruction from someone who doesn't look like them or someone who wants to challenge the status quo. Mm. Um, so... Yes, you know, I, but I understand and I'm aware of it. And, and that was a conversation I had to have with myself too, to understand not to change who I am, but how others perceive me and how I mm. present. Um, and, and then oftentimes, I mean, when we get places and when you're the only one, right, then people want you to speak for everyone who looks like you. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're all different. So I cannot mm -hmm. speak for every African-American or every African-American woman. Correct. Um, and up until just a couple of months ago, I was the only African-American woman on the bench in our department as a juvenile magistrate. And so, and I'm the, the first 
um, person who was not a white man to be the lead juvenile magistrate, mm. which brought with it its own set of challenges. Absolutely. I but bet. one of the reasons why I go out in the community so much myself is I've been the first person to look like me in a lot of different things that I've done, but my goal is not to be the last. And for me not to be the last, I have to continue to do things like this, continue to go into the community to raise awareness, to say you can and you will. And make sure that I am leaving a path, a clear path behind me so that people don't have to go through the same obstacles and challenges that I had to go through. And then I have to meet every situation because sometimes I do feel like, you know, in the color purple, like all my life I had to fight, <laughs> like all my life I had to fight, but I have to make sure that I'm not presenting like that Absolutely. and every challenge, you know, with a freshness uh, to where I'm not showing up ready to fight all the time because but- it is difficult. That's a key piece, though. You know how to fight the battle without pulling your guns out. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And mm-hmm. I think that's the key thing in the the, the business world, I'll say, or mm-hmm. the, the corporate world or the mm-hmm. law enforcement, whatever the case may be. You got to fight the battle without pulling out your guns. So I think you get it. I love your energy, by, by the way. <laughs> oh, thank you. I, really I love do. you all. This cannot be the last encounter. Uh, no, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> I mean, so, and I was going to tell you, so, you know, I, so my co-host, she lives in Warren, Ohio, and I'm here in Columbus. Okay. So whatever you need, you know, we gonna, I'm going to help you make sure you're saying you get to that finish Absolutely. Line like, whatever we can do, we are supporting you, we're behind you. you, and I, I love your realness, your rawness, and I think hopefully the people coming up under you, you share that part with them, too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because being authentic is, is, an, is an amazing thing, so I appreciate you bringing yourself to the table and not the judge mm-hmm. so i yes. appreciate that thank you yes we have to lift as we climb right and so uh let me ask you something before you get out of here what is the end goal for uh for you um in all of this right what is the end goal i've always been a person with gold that's something that i do for my kids too because i saw a lot of my kids that came in front of me and these are my work children uh that mm-hmm. a lot of them when i would ask them like what do you want to do what do you want to be they didn't know Uh, So I created to where one of my most uh, common orders was a goals plan where I would make them write out and bring it back to me. Their six month, one year, uh, three year, five year and 10 year goals. Mm -hmm. Uh, And people have asked me that, like, what is the end goal? I don't really have an end goal. I have an ever evolving list of goals. Mm -hmm. So right now, you know, I'm focused on two weeks from tomorrow, election day. Um, My overall goal is to make an impact on the community at large. I mean, Franklin County, this is where I was born and raised. Um, So I want my voice, um, you know, I often say like justice is my superpower. Uh, So me in my courtroom, bringing justice for all and making sure that the magistrates in my department now are are administering justice for all Uh, making sure that there is change, long lasting, impactful and meaningful change uh, in our community, just with everyone feeling empowered to use their voice and work together for change and the greater good. Sweet. So So I actually have one more question. I'm sorry, I got one more question. We've asked you a lot of things about work. We've asked you a lot of things about your background, your education Mm -hmm. and things like that. So if we had to ask Magistrate Lachelle, like what is her favorite thing to do? Like, what do you do in your free time? You you said you're married with two kids. Like, what do you like to do in your free time when you don't have the robe on? 
So I love spending time with my family and friends. Like we, I told you, I went to HBCU. We just had our homecoming weekend. That was like okay. a time of refresh. My husband and I met at our HBCU. Um, so <laughs> homecoming is always a time of refreshing. It was different. We did homecoming-ish because of the pandemic. Right. And just locally got together. Um, but whenever I spend time with family and friends uh, and we can you know, give and receive from one another, um, I just love that time and just um, sharing with other people. I'm also a breast cancer survivor. Uh, so I enjoy oh. spending time uh, motivating other people and let encouraging them, especially now, you know, it's breast cancer awareness month. So a lot of people are talking about that. Um, but yes, I, um, I was diagnosed with breast cancer when I was pregnant with our second son when I was eight months pregnant, nine months by the time we found out, mm. went through chemotherapy, radiation, and surgery for over a year while I was on the bench. I had just been appointed as a magistrate uh, without missing a day of work. Um, so I let people know, yeah, I did my radiation at Grant Hospital on my way. I would stop at the hospital and then go right to work and no one even knew. Yeah, um, and wow, so making sure that people know whatever the challenges and obstacles that you face, um, that you can overcome them, uh, and then use that story to inspire other people, um, behind you. So those are some of the things that I do in my free time. You are a true motivation, like just a true, just. I mean, I can't do nothing but smile. Like you are literally where a breath of fresh air. I'm so glad I got to talk to you today and oh, just you. pick your brain. Like you are a true motivation and true inspiration. Seriously. Thank you. I greatly appreciate that. And I hope this was helpful. I know, Mo, you know, when I responded and answered the call that you all really wanted to talk. And that's what I want for our community. Because in Franklin mm -hmm. County, there's like a 30% drop off for people who walk in and don't vote for their judges. But mm -hmm. obviously, who the judges are greatly impact, you know, Absolutely. our community at large. So I just really wanted to respond to that request when you all wanted to talk about judges and just, you know, make it in plain real language so i hope um this met your goal Absolutely. for the conversation Absolutely. to be able to share well listen november 3rd judge stroud you got my vote thank you <laughs> get all of franklin <laughs> county to stand proud with stroud we we got Definitely. you we, we got, got you. you we're gonna be promoting you until november 3rd we you yes. have my true commitment i thank can't you. vote for you but i will make sure the people there you. definitely will so <laughs> Thank you, thank you, thank you for coming to sit thank down you. with us and enjoy the rest of your evening and good luck. Thank you both. I greatly appreciate your time. Absolutely. Look forward to further conversations, whatever you need. Please don't hesitate. Oh, Absolutely. I definitely will begin with you. Absolutely. Take care. <laughs> take care. Right. See you, you later. Thank you so too. much. Uh -huh. right. Thank you. Good night. Good night. All the best to you and your families. Thank, thank you. You. You, as well. you as well. Thank you. Mo, that was amazing. Um, Absolutely. Extremely amazing. Um, I think that's exactly what our listeners needed. That's what I needed. Like I'm over here the whole time I'm sitting down. I got this pen in my hand. I didn't <laughs> wrote. I got a whole nother side of notes of just stuff. She Sis was, was on it. She was yeah, just on it. Yeah, she really, really was. But one thing I did, I didn't realize is judges can't give their opinion on certain things, but it makes sense as to why mm -hmm. they can't. Like, I right. never realized that. And I have a degree in criminal justice. Like, I never even realized that part of it. Like, duh, mm -hmm. that does make sense. Okay, so that was a I, that was a learning point. But just her her realness was yeah. dope. Like, it was and she dope. says she says something towards the end, too, where she said uh, she wanted justice for all, you know, which yep. 
which which stands out to me because you know we always focus on what they're doing for blacks what we, right. you know but at the end of the day we can't be so much and and, and you know locked in to our community where we forget other people who Correct. are suffering too excuse me and not only that but we can't be so locked in as to now say if we get everything reversed and turned and everything going in our favor, we're gonna start doing we, bullshit on that side. But, but no, nah, but we're gonna we'll start being the oppressors. You know Correct. So that's that, what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We can't do that. So I, I'm so happy that we had this interview with uh um with Stroud and um it, it was amazing. So it I'm was. Happy. I really yeah. I'm extremely and like I said, regardless of how you feel about voting, when you see people who look like you in these positions of power that are making change that we are fighting for like how do you not get excited about that like her whole agenda is teaching the youth to become her <laughs> you, know, you, mm-hmm. you know and that's the whole thing me and you talk about all the time is we got to start putting these young people in the position to make a change in the future so like i just i'm excited i'm just excited for her like i'm about to get me an apartment in franklin county real quick <laughs> so i could come vote for sis because she is really really on it and i was just extremely proud I'm I'm proud of her, and I just met her. Absolutely, and and not only that, but we we gonna have a little series. Um, we gonna have some more uh, politicians, you know, uh, coming on too. Um, whether it be on podcast or Toast Up Tuesdays, we gonna make sure that we we are uh, interviewing and getting people understanding what um, some of these positions mean. Because I'm not gonna lie, I I didn't know exactly what a magistrate was or the difference between a magistrate and a judge. I thought that they were both the same. Right, 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 right. So, right. you know, I'm glad for that breakdown. And we need to know about the functionalities of our government and what it people what it controls. Because when we talk about, you know, uh, people being sentenced or um, when we talk about prosecution for like the Breonna Taylors, you know, and whatnot, mm-hmm. these are the people that we are put into office to have Correct. the ability to vote for. So. Mm-hmm. We need to understand exactly where our vote is going because I was just saying the other day how dangerous it is. Because if you ever notice, I don't, you've been voting before. Before you go into a voting poll, there are people out there that give you a um, a, a voting cheat sheet, you know, like. Mm-hmm. And I think that if a person just going in and voting Democrat, just to all say the they through, did it, yep, yep, yep. You know, that's dangerous and that's not a, a responsible uh, voter. I think that you should know who the opponents are, you know, what, what's going on. You should. And because we do a lot of, (laughs) we do a lot of screaming. Like I'm just saying some people I know, say if your friend get locked up or you know somebody in jail, we scream, free them. But like (laughs) we go vote for the people that put them there. Like you you gotta know where your vote is going and like mandatory minimums. People don't understand that. Oh, this is my first time in trouble. It ain't going to be that bad. When no, your first time you getting five years because you sold this much crack. You know what I mean? And then the guidelines say you got to go for five years. Like people got to understand mandatory minimums. The people you put in office, they write those laws. So quit staying free of dude if you ain't doing nothing to help them stay out. So let me ask you something. Does this give you a better understanding? Because I know that even for myself, you know, we have been kind of critical of the Bidens and, and Harris about the incarceration of our people. So does this give you a better understanding of their position or you still feel the same way? I like how she put it. We can't just put it all on one person. Yeah. Like you see what I'm saying? But 
it's still a but for me. And you know how I feel about the national election. I I, I want to speak on it. Like the last couple of days, I'm like, Lauren, just just say how you feel. Just put it out there. But I feel like everybody right now is so emotional. You know, look at the Ice Cube situation. Like, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people, this election is bringing so many emotions out of people. And if you say you're not voting, they bash you. Who you voting for, they bash you. You're writing it, they bash you. So like, I'm afraid to even give my opinion because of how high the emotions are. Like we just, the world really wanted to cancel Ice Cube because he sat down with a party because mm-hmm. the first party wouldn't listen. Like- Till after the election. Exactly, yeah. So we gotta, you gotta look at all the facts. And, and sometimes like, that doesn't say he likes Trump. That's not what he's saying at all. He, he just mm-hmm. wants, this is what I got to say. And you're going to listen. This is who need to listen for real. If you mm-hmm. want to be honest, they're the ones that need to listen. So I just think the emotions right now around this election. And, and she gave me just a better understanding on that side of things. I look at it different. We can't just blame one person. Because there's a lot of layers to the BS going on in our justice system right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, before we get up out of here... Is there any last things you need to say or want to address? Was- no, I do. Um, so if you if you guys weren't paying attention to social media, um, I just want to give a huge dozen of roses to Brittany Bradley, um, the owner of Bee's Boutique. Um, she did something super, 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 super dope. Um, she owns a boutique called Bee's Boutique. And what she did is now turning it into a Black business incubator. Like basically she reached out to some dope, dope brands, including Challenge Society um, to just basically sell our clothes out of her store and give us a platform to shine. And I think it was just a dope concept. So I just wanted to give her a dozen roses and I I just want to, her vision is dope and where she's trying to go. She just want to see everybody win. So that's my dozen roses. She's my only dozen roses this week. If you got a dozen roses you're giving out or a single rose or. Um. I'm going to give out roses to Lachelle Stroud. Let's, I, I want to give it to our guest, man, because I think that it's very empowering for someone like her that looked like us, you know, to be in this position. And not only that, but to come from our environment, you know, and to be facing challenges each and every day. You know, as you can see, when I asked her, you know, about the challenges that she faced, it was just, a, you know, a big sigh. But, you know, I, I think... <laughs> People like her, you know, are very empowering and, and inspiring yep. for, for those who are uh, listening and even for the younger generation as well. So shout out to her and people that look like her that are in foreign places um, that we're not really represented in. So that's all I got for this week. That's it for me as well. Yo, so uh, thank you all for tuning in. Y'all know what this is. This is Static Energy Podcast. I am your host, Mo Giles. And I'm cool last L. And we are out. Blow. Peace.